Jesus has won the victory. Jesus has won the victory when he shed his blood for me. Jesus has won the victory.
Thank him for what he's doing. Thank you for what he's done. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you. We thank you. Come on, just say it. We thank you. Woo! We thank you. God, we thank you. We thank you. You lift it up, God. We thank you. Come on, we thank you for your blood, God. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. He is the saving one, and He is the hope of our nation. Uh, there's not a lot of hope outside of Him. There's a whole bunch of hope, right? Um, boy, there's a lot of freedom today. I, uh, when you guys were worshiping in the back, it sounded like some eruption back there. It sounded like there was a whole, I don't know, bunch of angels walked in the back door. Were you guys making that much noise or... You just, you were getting a little radical back there. But I believe there were some angels here too. And, um, you know, I always knew that one day church would become like this. It's not to be so much an entertainment thing where you come in and listen to what the main guy has to say. But it's what God has to say. And uh, he's the main, the main one. And, uh, but... Um, it's going to be a lot of different. We, we have to, let me just let you know something. We've got to make some adjustments. And, um, and I don't know how much to share publicly. 
But we're going to be ready as much as possible for what God is doing in the earth. And so that means we're going to have to look a little different. And I just don't want to come out and say it exactly. I'm, I'm working on it. But I, I heard about how what's God doing in the Middle East. And there, there's a great underground church there right now. How many of you knew that? And I heard this uh, one ministry. You know, it's a death sentence to, to choose to follow Jesus. It's, your, it's a death sentence. But there's one ministry. They're in 90 cities throughout the Middle East, five different countries. They have 400 underground churches. And they, they have a threefold goal. They gather, they disciple, and they equip. That's it. Sounds like the church to me. You gather together, you gather the loss, you disciple, and then you equip and you go win the loss. And uh, they're, they're seeing revival among the Middle East and these underground churches. And they're, because one thing, Islam, it seems a little loud. Is it not too loud? Is it just loud to me? Maybe turn it down just a little. I like to shout a little bit. I don't want my shout. I like to use the amplified version sometimes, you know what I mean? And... Uh, Think I need the amplified version. But anyway, he was saying that uh, one of the ways that so many Muslims are coming to Christ, we've heard the stories about dreams. They're having dreams and Jesus is showing up. But also, the believers are willing to lay down their life. And, and it's the love they have in their eyes when they're being beheaded or they're being whatever is happening to them. And uh, the Muslims just, they've never seen a God like this before. Never known a God like this, and so many are coming to the Lord. And it's a remarkable time. So I gave you a little hint. We want to be ready for the harvest. I don't know everything that's happening. I just know the, who, the one who's over all that's happening. And we want to be one step ahead over the, the enemy. Does that make a little sense? We're just trying to get ready. Now, I'm going to share some dreams that I had. we got a couple things going on today. And um, I want our men to come up in a few moments and pray with me. But uh, I, I, wanted, I, I put out on an email, do we have any questions because of Mina's word last week? And I didn't get any responses. But I know there are, there are questions. And some of you are wondering, should I be preparing? Well, of course, I'm going to show you that in the Scripture. But if you need some help and some uh, guidelines. We have a little help on how to just jump in and be prepared. Did you know in California, officials are encouraging the people at least have three weeks of food? Because they know an earthquake is not if, it's when. And so they're preparing, they're, they're urging the people. So it's not unbelief to store up a little bit of food. It's not, I'd say it's not unbelief. I'm going to show you that in the scripture later on. That's Love what I'm going to talk about, but if you need some help, there's some flyers somewhere. Where are they at, Shirley? You can see Shirley. You can see Ted. You know, there's going to. Do you know what the first miracle was? Changing the water to wine, and so it was a miracle of transformation, multiplication. And listen, if you got just a little bit, you don't have to have a lot. Just offer the little bit that you have to him. He has a way of multiplying it. But you got to have a little bit. On that day, you want to say, well, Lord, I don't have anything to offer. Just say, I've got one little roll. That's all I got. What well, it doesn't matter. Banana. What well, it doesn't matter. Just have something. You should have more than that, though. You really should. And so uh, you, can, you can see that information. Now, yesterday, we had an incredible men's meeting. 
I want you to know we have some unbelievable, incredible men in this fellowship. I mean, men of integrity. Now, God's still working on all of us, you know, and so men are still becoming men. But uh, it's, we had a wonderful time. And uh, then we went out and we did some shooting, Paul. You missed it. And uh, I, I know I was just thinking, you know, we, it sounded like a little army back here. We were shooting off and stuff, and I just thought, boy, what, I wonder what people are saying about us right now. Can you imagine the rumors? What are they forming? A posse? An army? I, you know, I don't. And then, but you know what? The Second Amendment is our Second Amendment. We're not going to surrender it willingly. The reason our forefathers gave us the Second Amendment is to keep us free of tyranny. And, uh, you know, there was a time when the Lord said, if you don't have a sword, go and buy one. So I bought one. And I'm telling you, I'm going to protect my wife. I don't care. I don't care. I'm going to protect her. I, I heard a friend of mine say, yeah, I'm going to pray. I know, every, you know, you got people say, you got to live in the spirit and pray and pray. Well, I'm going to pray. Just like that. I'm going I'm, I'm to figure it out. I, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I'm just, I know. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. I know that. But if I read most of the Bible, they had wars all through the Bible. You know what I mean? They had stuff like that going on. And uh, they're not going to be afraid of what I have. I don't have much of an arsenal. But I've got big angels with me too. Big ones. And um, anyway, before I get my men up to pray, come on up. Bob Culver. He, he's from Indiana. i got a a mic here. He drove all the way, and he's been coming around to some of our meetings. And uh, he was sharing with me a word the Lord had given him. I want, I want to take a couple minutes and share what God showed you. Then we'll gather and pray and go from there, okay? Tell us what the Lord showed you. Uh, he showed me that uh, there's a coming time this year, and that's uh, the Feast of Tabernacles. That particular tabernacle. The Lord said audibly to me, this is the day, the greatest day in the history of Israel, except the life and cross of Jesus Christ. And we're about to see an explosion this year beyond anything we can imagine. God's coming in his people to restore the church and the nation. Amen? Mm -hmm. And Israel. Yeah, keep going. Okay. There's more than that. I know. Well... Tell us what you saw, what the Lord uh, showed you. Well, in 1988, I was filling prescriptions at a pharmacy, and uh, when I grabbed one from where I was born, I, I, I said that uh, I said that I was born there. Immediately, I found myself in Jerusalem, uh, as in Nehemiah, and. Uh, the words of Habakkuk kept coming to me, and they kept coming, and uh, what happened was that all that uh, I had uh, was poured out on me in uh, 1988, and uh, with that visitation, uh, the Lord showed me that the knowledge of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea, and right now I'm uh, expecting that to begin this year very shortly. Yeah, tell me about the earthquake you saw and then what's going to happen 
with the church, the shaking. It's okay, okay. to talk about earthquakes. There's a, there's a shaking coming, and uh, basically what's going to happen is uh, we're going to have a Macedonian earthquake, just like they did in Acts 16, where uh, Paul and Silas were praying, and all of a sudden, they and the prisoners got loosed. Well, that's what's going to happen to America, because God loves America and is going to resurrect America and save this country. Amen? Amen. But before we, he resurrects it, there's going to be some Some, some shaking. Some the, shaking. The church will shake, too. Yeah, yeah. Because we, we've got to get it, our, yeah. ourselves in order, too, you know. Yes, we We're do. We're not exactly uh, That's right. uh, there yet. None yes. of us are all the way there. And you even saw June the 9th. Right? Yeah, as a day. Uh, uh, back uh, a few years ago, uh, the Lord showed us there's going to be a massive during an earthquake on June the 9th. And uh, it happened as in Revelation uh, chapter 8, verse 5. And it was an 8.5 earthquake uh, that uh, didn't destroy anything, but it woke up, it was a warning to the church and to get cleansed and, and sanctified just like the brother spoke this morning. That's how we're going to have to come with a clean heart. Yeah. And uh, that's what's going to be uh, the Amen. most powerful thing. And it's going to cause the church to erupt. Amen. And yes. become the church. Yes. So I, I wanted him to speak that. I, I know that. Thanks, Bob. Okay. I, I appreciate him. Give him a hand. I, for his I, 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 wanted to, I wanted to say what the Lord showed me. I got it in the. Uh, this is the most greatest monumental day in the life of the Spirit, this tabernacles. Mm -hmm. The church will not be the same. It's going to, uh, uh, these uh, 144,000 that the Lord has showed me, the redeemed are coming forth in the tabernacle. So we're, uh, we're going to have the greatest year we've ever had in the church, and it's going to go this way instead of that way, like it's been going now lately. Amen. Amen. Give him a hand. That's, I wanted him to share. After what we heard last week, man, we need all those kind of words we can get. No, I'm going to, I want to try to answer some questions, but uh, now dates, you know, people set dates, dates come and go. We hear about things all the time. Remember 88 reasons why Christ must return in 1988. How many of you remember that? And there were some folks sold all they had. They said, well, he's coming back in 1988. 89 came and 90 came and 91. And so I don't know about all the dates. I just, listen, all the men that would like to join me, can we just gather around and pray around the altar? Any man that wants to join us, let's just cry out for America right now, okay? And uh, intercede for our nation. We know shakings are coming, but we want to cry out to God for a great spiritual shaking. And I have a feeling the men are going to have a major role in this one. And they always have, and... Uh, so men, just, just pray. Pray out loud. Just pray. Just, just go for it. Cry out for your families, for our cities, our nation. In the name of Jesus. Oh, God, we cry out to you, God. Lord, we cry out to you, Jesus. We ask, God, for revival in our time, Lord, that you would come and have mercy, Jesus, and that you would heal our land, God. Lord, we turn to you you in all of our ways, God. Lord, we ask you to come. Lord, as men, we purpose in our heart 
to draw near to you and be the men that you've called us to be, God. Heal America, Lord. Save my families, my children, God. Lord, we ask you to demonstrate your love and your power. Come, Lord, in waves of your glory. Lord, we love you and we surrender afresh to you. In the name of Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come as men of God and we bow before you. Lord, we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Lord, we know our nation is in deep trouble. We know, Lord, that without you there's no hope. But we look to the, we lift up our eyes to the hills from where our help comes from. Father, we confess we're not rich and increased with goods. We're poor, miserable, blind, and naked. We need you, God. We need your mercy. We need your grace. We need forgiveness, and we need, God, for a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we ask you, God, use us. Rise up, O oh God, in the men of this nation one more time, Lord. Lord, we purpose. We'll do what we have to do to defend our families, defend our cities. We'll do what we have to do. But we're your men, O oh God, and we ask for the anointing to be men of God that would rise up with great faith, signs and wonders following us declaring the word of the Lord. God, bless each one of these men. God, fill them with fire and power. Lord, I ask for the fire of God. What we need more than anything are men set on fire. And we ask you, set us on fire, God. Set us ablaze, God, that we would live for you and if need be, die for you. But we would declare that our God reigns in this generation. Lord, we're asking one more time from the west to the north to the east to the south. Lord, send a great awakening to America. Lord, show our nation that our God reigns. That there is a God over the church. There is a God over Israel. And we bless the name of the Lord. We thank you, God. Lord, bless every one of these men. Fill them, Lord. Fill them, Lord. Use them, God. Set them ablaze in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Give them a word, Lord. A word, a sharp word, Lord, in season. To speak to their families. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Hey, just extend your hand out to our men. You guys out there. Just ask God to pour out on them. Pour out, Lord. Pour out, oh God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Remember that old song, rise up, O men. Rise up, O men of God. Lord, we declare this is the hour that men will be men again and rise up and declare the works of the Lord. And we thank you, Lord. Fire fall in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Shoof. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. I'm telling you, you're going to see a difference in our men. I'm telling you, men are getting bold. Men are not going to back down. I mean, they can toy around with marriage all they want, but we got men that are going to stand for truth. And they're, they're going to do it, and God's anointing them to be men of, men of integrity, men of purity. You be patient with us, okay? We're getting there. But I'm telling you, God's doing something fresh in the men of America. Thus saith the Lord in Jesus' name. Thank you, men, for joining me. Hallelujah. Give the men a big shout, clap offering. Thank you, Lord. I just felt like we're supposed to do that. Thank you, Bob, for coming, driving all the way from Indiana. 
You know, you know, we need men like that. Just drive wherever God tells you and just give, thus saith the Lord. If they don't receive you, you just kind of wipe yourself, you know, shake the dust off, you know what I mean? Yes. And when I met you, I knew that you'd heard from the Lord, and I wanted you to speak it. Because we want to be a church that just hears what God's saying. I don't have all the word, but I have an intentional word this morning. Okay, so look with me in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, and I want to try to answer some questions. Mina stirred up a whole lot last week. And, um, and we've been, how many of you have been thinking about some of those words? And we're wondering, now what do we do, God? Well, we need to have, we need not only to be like the sons of Issachar, but we need to know what the church ought to be doing. And I, I hear people sometimes criticize the church. I, I've heard people say, I hate the church. I, I just, I don't want to be a part. Let me tell you, I know there's a hierarchy and there's all that kind of stuff, you know, that's that religious structure. But listen, Jesus is the head of the church. He's coming for the church, the bride. He's coming for the church. And uh, he gave his life for the church. And so he, there's going to be a church without spot and blemish. And he also said there will be a church that he's building that the gates of hell will not prevail against. And I want to be a part of that kind of church. You know what I'm talking about. And I want to prophesy that over our nation. I don't know all that's going to happen over the months or years, but I'm telling you the church is going to go like this. We may go underground some, but we're going to go like this. There's a harvest coming to this nation. And we're not going to bow out, be talked out of it. We're not going to retreat. We're going to march. We're going to go forward. And it's the greatest time that we've ever lived, isn't it, Steve? I'm going to share you these dreams. I will get to them that I, I, I had. But look at this, verse 7 of Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen. Say, not yet seen. He sat down and waited for some... No, what did he do? He moved. He moved. He got busy. He didn't say, hey, if God wants me to live, he'll take care of me. He moved with godly fear. And he prepared an ark. And what happened? His household was saved by which he condemned the world, became an heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. So Noah being divinely warned. Now how can you and I, can be, how can we be prepared for what's ahead? That's the title of this, okay? How, do we, how are we going to be prepared for all that's coming? There's a lot of stuff coming. And uh, first of all, you've got to understand that we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Every kingdom is going to be shaken. Every nation is going to be shaken. Governments are going to be shaken. Except one. What government is that? The government of God. And of the increase of his government, there shall be no end. Now, people always, I know you've heard it too. They say, now don't talk about those kind of things because fear will get on people. Yeah, how many of you have heard of that? Now, I know God has not given us a spirit of fear, right? But of what? Love, power, and a sound mind. But there is a godly fear. What if Noah did not have godly fear? He had godly fear, and because of his godly fear, he moved. Now, we're not to promote fear, but we are to blow the trumpet in Zion. 
Remember that? Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound the alarm. Where? On my holy mountain. Remember Jehoshaphat. Now you can read this later. I could get there, but he talks about all of a sudden they bring him word. King Jehoshaphat, great king of faith. Hey, king, there's a great multitude coming up against you from Syria, from beyond. It could be like a report of ISIS. Hey, ISIS is coming. How many of you know they're in 49 states is what I heard? You know, the question is, how did they get here? Who let them in? What are they doing here? What are their plans? So Jehoshaphat one day, hey, there's a great multitude coming against you from beyond the sea. So what did Jehoshaphat do? Do you remember? It said Jehoshaphat feared. Woe and behold, he feared. But he didn't stay there. If you stay there, you're in trouble. But what did he do? His fear led him to seek the Lord. You can read that. Is it 2 Chronicles chapter 20? Is that it? Somewhere in there? So go home. How many of you go home and read the story of Jehoshaphat? And it says, and so he starts saying, God, you're the God that saved us. Lord, were you not the one that delivered us? And he said, if famine, if pestilence, if if all these things come upon us, God, we will stand in this holy temple and we'll remember who you are and we'll declare your name and you, oh God, will save us. And he called a fast. He gathered all the people together. But he had a fear that led him to seek the Lord. And I believe it was a godly fear. And I believe godly fear is coming back to the land. And it's a godly fear. Now, someone asked me this week, have you heard the trumpets that people are hearing around the earth? How many of you have heard those trumpets? And one lady said they were shofars. And I, I, I wonder, well, what, what are these trumpets? They could be a gimmick. You know that. It could be a fraud. Because you can easily mimic those kind of things. But I, somebody asked me, do you think it's real? I don't know if they're real or not. It doesn't even matter. I can hear the trumpet sounding in the spirit realm. I mean, I hear a different sound. I don't have to have it over the internet. I can hear in my heart, in my spirit, there's a trumpet sounding of alarm, of warning, of gathering the people, preparing for the days that we're living. Raising up an army. How many of you hear that trumpet sound? Now, there's going to be a last trumpet. No question about it. Will we hear it with these ears or in here? Well, I don't know. But all I know, we're going to hear it. But right now, there's a trumpet saying, listen, if you're set in complacency, you're in a heap of trouble. Can I just tell you that? you got to get out of complacency. I don't care what it takes. Shake yourself up. Shake, I mean, just say, cry out to God. That'd be a good thing to do. Hey, God, I've been complacent. Shake me up. Let him shake you up. See what happens. But you got to get shook up. Man, you got to get ready. This is a time you've been called. You could have been born in any other generation. God called you to be born in the year 2015. He called you to live in this nation. You've been called into the kingdom for such a time as this. If you're asleep, you better wake up. We've had so many people coming here, sounding the alarm, declaring this is the day of the Lord. And all this stuff is coming to pass. So why do we hear all this stuff? Why is God doing all this? To scare us to death? No, it's to cause us to arise and to be the people we've been called to be. Now look over in Proverbs chapter 22. I hope I can answer some of the questions that people are asking today. I really want to. And by the way, if you thought this church was a source of 
controversy or accusation, you ain't heard anything yet. It's about to pick up a notch or two. The Lord show me. Listen, you got to be tough in your heart to overcome the accuser of the brethren. I was with Rodney Howard Brown here a few weeks ago, and he's become a friend. But we were with him. He was telling the story. He said he was preaching. <laughs> you know, you can blink your eye, and if a camera catches you when you're blinking, it looks like you're asleep. You know what I'm talking about. And he said he was in a service, and he raised his hand. And like for a millimeter of a second, the three fingers went down, not by accident, but he was. It, and then they took the picture, and it looked like he was, had some satanic symbol. Now, you probably lasted about a half a second, you know what I mean? Not even that long. And he put his hand back up. And they took that picture and they said, see, Rodney Howard Brown is in the Illuminati. You see that picture? That he's with the devil and he's working to deceive people and all. And, and I said, well, hey, and Rodney was just encouraging us. He said, listen, if they call me of the devil, listen, gonna, they call Jesus of the devil. If you're not being called of the devil, you might be of the devil. Jesus said, blessed are you when men shall revile you and say all manner of evil against you. It's not a great thing to be popular today. If you're popular in the mainstream of America, you're probably not popular on Main Street heaven. You know what I'm talking about. You're going to be reviled. How many of you got what it takes to hang in there? I do. I'm telling you. I've been around this ministry long enough. It doesn't matter to me. I'm going to hang in there. If nobody's left, we're going to keep plowing on. And, they, and listen, you got they're going to talk about you. They're going to talk about you. Wear it as a badge of honor. Don't curse them. Bless them. But also, you know, pray, God, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Every tongue that's risen in judgment, Lord, I declare condemned. This honor have all ye his saints. Isn't that in the psalm? You got to be a little bold here, guys. And go for it. All right, Proverbs. I'm really going to get through this because I hope I can answer some questions. Proverbs 22, verse 3 and 4. A prudent man foresees evil. That's natural or moral. And what does he do? He hides himself. Now, that's going to be, mean a lot to you later when I share something. It means by covering. They get under the covering, but the simple pass on and are punished with suffering. Now, you don't, in other words, there's some suffering we can avoid if we are wise and we prepare. Now, some suffering is going to come our way. You know, did he not say that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and what else? The fellowship of his sufferings. How come we don't have a song? Where's Joshua? How come we don't have a song entitled The Fellowship of His Sufferings? I know him, and I mean, listen, that's, part of, the, that's part, of, part of it. I wonder why they didn't put, turn that around. The fellowship of his suffering seemed like it would come first, then the power of his resurrection. In fact, it really does, because after that, it says that I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. So there really does. There is an order of that. But there's some suffering we can avoid. How many of you would like to avoid all unnecessary suffering? Be in the right place at the right time. Know the right one. Know him. Make sure you're hearing his voice. Now, why would God send Mina and so many other people? I thought we were supposed to be positive, have a positive gospel. You know what I'm talking about? 
You know, don't have a negative gospel. I don't want a negative gospel either. But there's the goodness of God and what else? The severity of God. There's some people, that's all they want. They only want the goodness. There's the severity. But in his severity, he does not surrender his goodness. Let me say that again. In his severity, he does not surrender his goodness. In fact, in the severity of God, you will discover how good he really is. You'll discover that all these things really do work out for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Does that make sense? So he's a good God. Say he's a good God. Now, what if what these people saw come to pass? Earthquake. Does it mean God has surrendered his goodness? He's he's still a good God. People are going to come to you and say, I thought your God was a good God. He is a good God. And uh, he wants you to know him. And it will be the greatest opportunity for evangelism in the history of our nation. Now, I want to show you something in John chapter 16. We touched on this last week. I introduced Mina this way, but I want to look at it. Make sure you got it. Say, I've got it. And if you don't, I'm going to make sure you got it. All right? I want you to get it. I feel like I'm, I'm responsible to some, you know what I mean? I'm going, to be, I'm going to be held responsible, accountable for this position. Now, look in John chapter 16, verse 33. These things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But the only problem is the word will is not in there in the original language. In the world, you have tribulation. How many of you have seen that to come to be true? But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So we're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer because he overcame the world. Now back up in chapter 15 and verse 18. Here he is. He says, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Because really, if we're going to be like our master, they hated the master, right? And he goes on to describe that. Notice in verse 26. But when the helper comes. How many of you want the helper to come? He has come. But the helper really becomes the helper when you need help. Okay, right? Somebody taught me way back when I was a kid. Man, the best prayer you will ever pray in your life is help. And I never forgot it. Some of you, I'm just going to tell you right now, there'll be a day you're going to wonder, God, I don't know what to pray for. Now you do. Help! Because the helper has come. And the helper can do more than you can ever do for yourself. Way more than you can do for yourself. But then he did. Now here's why you need the helper. Look look in chapter 16, verse 2. It says, they will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God's service. Now, we see that happening through ISIS, right? There's an example. There's also an a in-church example of that. People will kill you with their tongue, and they think they've done God a favor. They think they're speaking for God to condemn you or something such as that. But notice what he said in verse 4. Now, all these things that we've been hearing, But these things I've told you so that when the time comes, say the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. Now look in verse 1. Now here it is. These things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. 
That's part of my responsibility. You come to this church and you stumble, we're going to kick your rear. Let me tell you, there is no excuse for you to stumble in the days to come. You're not to stumble. You're being called to stand in this hour. Stand on the Word of God. Stand in the faith that He's given you. And endure all things. Now, the word stumble, it means to scandalize, to entrap, to trip up, to entice to sin, apostasy, displeasure, or to become offended. Are, anybody, are there any people becoming offended today? You just come to the church, you get offended. There's all kinds of reasons. It's why you have to overcome. He's coming for overcomers. I wonder if some of these offenses are or maybe divinely appointed just so to make you to become an overcomer? Or are you an offended dropout? You know, I mean, there's a lot of that. Does this make sense? I really don't want to preach. I just want to share, Rich, what God's given me. And all I know is what the Bible says. I don't have any secret formulas. I, just, I got what he said here. And then, it, you know, he speaks here, but it must measure up here. So, we don't want to be offended. Just say, I'm not going to be offended. And if I am offended, it's gone today. Okay. All right, nobody's offended, right? It may be a little bit more to do. You may have to go to somebody or something. I don't know. Look, look in Matthew chapter 7. Here's something else. We went to see that movie yesterday. Shirley drugged me. She wanted me to go see St. Andreas, the fault. Is that it? San Andreas. Oh, I didn't even get the name right. It didn't matter. But she hung on to me the whole time. So that's why I went. So my wife's hanging on to me. This is great. We should go to more movies like that. I'm, I'm still on a date, guys. I mean, if you're still on a date. Man, I've, I've been dating for, I don't know, a bunch of years. And... Yes, Matthew chapter 7. Okay, I don't want to be silly. She, tells, she accuses me of that from time to time. Look in verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Did I share with you guys one time I had a, a vision when we were at the warehouse? I saw all these people running into churches all over America. They were running to the churches. But very few were coming out. You, some of you remember that? And I asked the Lord, what does that mean? He said, well, there are a lot of hearers, but there are very few doers. And it's not the hearers of the word, but it's the doers. And so anyway, not everyone that says Lord. Many will say to me in that day, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons. We did all these things. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who work or practice lawlessness. Remember, it's not whether we say we know him. The, the ultimate issue is, does he know you? On that day, will he say, I know you, or I never knew you? But notice in verse 24, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to be a wise man who built his house on a rock, and the rain descended, and the flood came, and the wind blew, and beat on that house. Any of you ever felt beat on by the, the elements and the demons and the, the church people or whoever? You know, you feel beat on sometimes. 
Well, if it's founded on the rock, you're going to survive it, whatever comes your way. Now, what is that rock? They always told me it's the rock of revelation. It is. But it's also the rock is, are those who did the will of God. You're standing on the rock when you hear the word and you do the word. That's the context. That's why we've got to be doing it every day. Wake up tomorrow morning. God, I'm your ambassador. I'm reporting for duty. What is your will today for my life? I know what I've got planned, but God, what's your plan? Lord, I yield to you. Lord, I need a fresh infilling. How many of you need a, a fresh infilling every day? Lord, fill me afresh with the Holy Spirit. I can't run on yesterday's anointing. I need a new anointing to do the will of God today. And Lord, I'm going to take up my cross. Whatever it means, I'm going to follow you. That's what it means to be a believer. Now, Hebrews chapter 11. Look over this. Hebrews 11. Does God ever give his warning or his people a warning to prepare for what might lie ahead? Does he? Let me show you this. Hebrews 11. People say, how much food should you have? As much as you can get. As much as you're able. Because I don't know what's going to happen. Let's look at this. But I do know what the Word says. Are there going to be any earthquakes? Guess who else prophesied earthquakes? Guess who else? J-E-S-U-S. Jesus. He said there will be famine, pestilence, earthquakes, wars. And when the wars happen, don't panic. The end is not yet. Remember that? For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. But the most glorious verse in all that is verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end shall come. That's what he's getting you ready for. The gospel of the kingdom is about to be preached. In America, one more time. And it's going to bring a great, mighty harvest. All right, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. How many of you found it? All right. Well, this is what we read earlier. Remember, by faith Noah, verse 7, divinely warned of things not yet seen, he prepared an ark. What was going on in the days of Noah? People were marrying, giving in marriage, throwing away the definition of marriage. I don't know what was going on. There was all kinds of stuff happening. But there was Noah. He was just a preacher of righteousness. Do you know how long it took to build the ark? They say 120 years. Is that, I don't know if that's actual, but if that's 120 years, can you imagine preparing for 120 years for something that hadn't happened before? Can you imagine the ridicule I mean, after, all right, let's just say Noah held up for 10 years. Then the 11th year comes, and it's no rain. And you got all these people. Man, you are crazy. Noah, you lost your mind. So he endures for another 50 years. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then, then all of a sudden, a whole new crop of people come up. Noah, you, you've lost your mind. Hey, we're going to always be here. It's always been just like it is. But Noah had a godly fear, and he moved with godly fear, and he saved his household. Now look at this. Let me show you. Acts chapter 11. So it will be, remember, in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the day, the coming of the Son of Man. Acts chapter 11. This, is, this literally happened. 
And there are many other examples. And in these days, verse 27, prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch. Then one of them named Agabus stood up and showed by the Spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world, which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. So there were famines in history. And he was reminding them, hey, this is not the first time this has happened before. All you got to do is read history. If they had history books, they probably didn't. But he was reminding them in the days of Claudius Caesar. So what did he prophesy? He didn't just prophesy a famine. He prophesied what? A great famine. A great famine. So what did they do? They just said, well, if God's going to take care of me, I let, listen, I got big angels with me. You know, they had big angels with them in Germany. The church in Germany, when they carted them off to concentration camps, they had angels with them then too. In China, the church, the underground church, right now in the Islamic nations, they got angels with them right before they behead them. They have angels. They're living their faith. They've learned to overcome. I'll never forget, I heard years ago, they said the church in America will go through a progression. There'll be the emphasis on overcoming by the blood of the Lamb. And there was, the, you know, all that you ever heard preach was the blood. And we want to keep preaching the blood. We don't stop that. Some denominations I hear have cut out the blood. You cut out the blood, you've cut it all out. Man, you might as well go home. Go to Walmart. Don't preach. There's no gospel. The blood, the blood is the foundation. It's only by the blood of Jesus. But and then he said we would go not only overcome by the blood, but by the word of our testimony. And what happened? God raised up all of those word preachers, like, uh, name some of them. I'm trying, Kenneth Copeland, Kenneth Hagin, you know, all those guys, the word. And I know we, there were those who criticized them and all this kind of, I don't know. That means they would probably be pretty good guys. You know what I mean? If they got criticized. I, rem I remember as a kid, when I heard somebody talking about a pastor, I thought, man, that's a good pastor. I just remember, sometimes we'd go home, and we would have pastor so-and-so for dinner. Not, not for dinner, but for dinner, because we'd be talking about him around the table. I would hear all these comments. You know what I'm talking about? And they'd chop him up. Stewed, he had stewed pastor. You, you know what I'm talking about. And then I became one. And I think about that. I think about that at dinner. I wonder how many is having me for dinner today. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Anyway, I don't want to get off the subject. But th so what did they do? Let's get back to verse 29. Then the disciples, each according to his ability. Say his ability. He didn't try to be anything they weren't. According to their ability. Oh, I got to go back and finish that story. But I'll read this and go back. I know where I was. I, had a, I did not have a senior moment. It was not, I'm not a senior, so it was not a senior moment. But anyway, each according to his ability determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. So what did they do? They heard about a great famine. They got prepared. They got stuff together, and they sent relief, each according to their own ability. All right, back to the story. We overcame by the blood of the Lamb by the word of our testimony, and they said there would come a time in America then there would be a generation who would overcome because they did not love their life even unto death. Amen. Guess where we are? 
Do you, do you see how this is going to fit in? The end of Malachi says, Then again you will discern between the righteous and the wicked. And the one who served God from the one who did not serve God. And so God will come and separate the wheat from the tares. In fact, it seems like he sends reapers for that. The reapers come. And they draw out of his body all that offend. And that are offensive in their language or whatever. I don't know. God has to figure all that out. I know he said, don't you try to do it. If you do it, you'll mess up. I'll do it at the end of the age. But there's going to be a great, let me tell you, it's in the fire that the real church arises. We'll either be consumed or refined one or the other. America needs the fire. I know it would, it would be better to live a comfortable, sit on my couch, watch the Saturday afternoon football game. It would be comfortable, but it's over. Maybe it'll last a year or two. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, I don't know. But generally, it's over. We've got a job to do. We've got a mission to finish. And there's going to be a dividing line between those who know him from those who pretended to know him. I don't know if he's going to empty out all the churches in America. Probably. That could happen overnight when they pass this marriage thing. They start taking 501c3. They lose their property. Then lo and behold, the church, what are they going to do? Cease to exist? Are you going to cease to exist? Are we going to stop our testimony? Listen, I'm going to shout louder. I'm glad he's the head of the church because I can't figure all this stuff out. I can see just a little bit. I'm trying to get ready. I better do what I see. But anyway, there's, there's stuff coming. Now remember, I'm going to share this dream. A couple weeks ago, I shared that the time is coming. Remember Jesus, he said, when they will say to the mountains, fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. Remember that? There'll be no place to hide. Where are you going to hide from the Almighty God? Where are you going to hide? I take comfort in that. There's no place to hide. If I make my bed wherever, behold, he is there. Amen. Man, listen, the, the child of God's excited about that, that there's nowhere to hide. But I had these dreams. Now, many people come to Moravian Falls to get dreams and visions. And I still have them here. But some, I don't know, the demons find out about you or something. You know, after you've been around. So anyway, I, I left. We went to, to Tampa. And on our way to Tampa that night, I had a, the most amazing visitation. Dream. It was in living color that I've had. Maybe I got out from under this whatever and. They didn't know, the demons, where were we, in Savannah? They didn't even know me from Adam down there. So they couldn't interfere, you know, I don't know. You guys know more about that than I know. I'm still a learner. But anyway, in, there's two, two parts in this dream. It's a prophetic dream. And I'm just, can I just be honest to tell you the way I saw it? And I know we may have children. You just love on them, tell them. But this is it. The first dream, I'm in this cubicle of about maybe 30 by 30 feet, it's, you know, rectangular, square, whatever, 
And I'm in there with about 20 other people. And I want to get out. And I go over to the window. There's a big window. And I look out over the window like this. And I'm about 50 stories high. And there's no balcony. There's no ledge. If I bust out the window, I'm dead. There's no way out. I turn around. And they're coming one for one, one by one, for the people in the room. And they're taking them through the other wall. And what I saw was horrendous. I knew they were being slaughtered. I, I'm just telling you, I saw the blood. And it was, it covered the back wall, and then it would run like a river. It was like a, a bloodbath. I'm just being honest. And I knew one by one, these people were being slaughtered. I was the last one in the room. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, go lie in the bed. There was only one piece of furniture in that room. There was a bed. So I go and I lie in the bed and I'm trying to get under. The Holy Spirit's telling me how to get under the cover. You know, like when you were a kid and they told you this goon lived under your bed and you're trying to get under the cover? You wonder, did it, it worked. We're here today. <laughs> we made it. That creature from the bayou didn't get me. Wherever he was, it worked. But anyway, I'm, I'm in the dream thinking, this is not going to work because I can't get my feet. You know, in the right situation, there's a bump. I mean, how are you going to shrink down where there's no bump? And you can't. And I'm thinking, I don't know if this is going to work. But the Holy Spirit's telling me, okay, move your leg a little bit. All right, stop. This, whatever it is, comes in to get me. They walk around, and they don't see me. And they go back out. I get out from under the bed, and I look back, and I say, how in the world could they not see me? A kindergarten. Anybody could have seen me, and it hit me. There'll be no place to hide unless he hides you. But if he hides you, there'll be no place you'll be found. Here, cover. The bed, the bed represents what? Rest. There is a rest for the people of God under the cover. Remember that scripture? A, a wise man hides himself. He covers himself. Covered by the blood. Oh, covered by the blood. That's exactly right. I thought the blood was only a bad thing. It was for the other guys, but for me it was a good thing. Yeah. See, I'm still getting revelation on that. Then the scene shifted. And I think I shared this part. I can't remember if I did or not, but I'll just share it again. But then all of a sudden, I'm buttoning up my shirt. I'm putting on a shirt. Rick is standing beside me. I'm getting ready to go speak to missionaries and pastors and prophets and evangelists from all over the earth. And the acres are filled with people. The shaking has begun. And they're wondering, what's God saying in the hour? And so I'm, I'm walking down this path thinking, God, what am I going to say? Holy Spirit, you got to tell me. What am I going to say to these people? They're They're everywhere. I remember giving a high five to one of them. I believe it was our S-O-N. I believe it was a high five. He was in that multitude of servants of God. But anyway, I kept walking. The only scripture that came to my mind was, he that wins souls is wise. That came to my mind. And I thought, whoa. You want wisdom in this hour? You want to be among the wise in the earth? Win souls. Because that affects, that affects eternity. But then I get to the end of this, the acres down the path, and I, I'm still saying, Holy Spirit, what do I say? And I stand up and I, I start prophesying. I say, and it's nothing spectacular, but it's simple. But I say, these are not the days 
or the opportunity of a lifetime. This is not the opportunity of a generation. This is the greatest opportunity in all of history. And we've been born for this moment. And then I woke up. And I want you to know this is not about your lifetime. This is not about this generation. This is about making history. We're history makers. This is the greatest hour. Is Jesus coming next week, next year, 10 years from now, 20 years from now? You seem to think in the 50s. I don't know. I remember when I was a kid, I thought he would come in the year 2033. We're getting closer. No man knows the hour. I don't know. But I know this, that my God reigns. And I've been called into the kingdom. And as long as I'm here, I am the salt of the earth. And we're going to declare and live for our king. We're going to see the glory of the Lord cover the earth just like the waters cover the sea. And it's time to get ready for it. Now, I'm going to wrap it up by this. What if you're not prepared? What if you just say, well, I don't, how am I going to be prepared for all this stuff? ISIS, earthquakes, famine, bird flu. I mean, what else is new? I you turn on the TV. The latest threat, the latest monster, the latest challenge to civilization as we know it. Russia. Man, they're a big challenge. They're arming up, gearing up. China. What are they, creating these islands? And, and our, listen, it's not smart to go against China. We've been selling them everything they have now. Everything's been made in China. What's next? The USA made in China. You know what I'm talking about. It's all these giants. We feel like little Davids. And we are. And we've got the stones that's required. Because greater is he that's in us than he that's in this world. There, let me tell you something. There are far more with you than's against you right now. Far more. If you could see the host, the angelic host that right now is working on your behalf, you would be absolutely blown away. You'd be amazed. You couldn't handle it. God, there are this many angels. Whoa. ISIS no way has that many. There's just not, that's not possible. There's a greater host with us. But what if you're not prepared? You remember what Jesus said about this? Anybody want to take a shot? He said, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, you know, I would have told you. But I, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Has he made any preparation? Yes. He made preparation for eternity. But also he said that where I am, there you may be also. Where I am, I am. We're going to get to know I am again, guys. It's not just in heaven, but I am is with you as long as you're on the earth. I am, that where I am, there you may be also. Listen to this, Genesis 15 says, I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Genesis 17, I am almighty God. Exodus 3, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Exodus 3, I am who I am. I remember that one, you remember that one? Exodus 8, I am the Lord in the midst of the land. 
Exodus 15, I am the Lord who heals you. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Leviticus 11, I am holy. Leviticus 19, I am the Lord your God. Isaiah 48, I am he, I am the first and I am the last. Isaiah 52, they shall know in that day that I am he who speaks. Behold, it is I. Jeremiah 1, for I am with you, says the Lord, to deliver you. Is that what he said? Yes, Jeremiah 3, for I am merciful, says the Lord. Malachi 1, I am the great king, says the Lord, and my name is to be feared among all the nations of the earth. Malachi 3, 6, for I am the Lord and I do not change. Matthew 28, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I am the bread of life, and he that comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. John 8, I am the light of the world. John 10, I am the door. John 10, 14, I am the good shepherd. John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. Remember that? Though you may die, yet you shall live. John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Revelation 1, I am the Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last. Revelation 1, 18, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Revelation 2, I am he who searches the minds and the hearts, and I will give to each one according to their works. Revelation 3, I am coming quickly. Revelation 22, I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and the morning star. And then Revelation 22, behold, I am coming quickly, saith the Lord. And that's just the beginning of who he is. All of eternity we're going to discover who he really was. And he's more than enough. Amen? Now, how do I get this in all these folks, God? How do I get it in them so they'll not stumble? Because when stuff happens, people are going to be stumbling all around us. Oh, I know another scripture about that. Though 10,000 shall fall, no plague shall come near my dwelling. That'd be a, a good psalm to memorize. Behold, he puts angels around you to keep you. Proclaim and declare. There's no greater authority than his word. This is not thus saith David. This is thus saith the Lord. You've you got to hear what he says, right? Exactly. So how do we do this, God? What if something happens on the night? Now, we're not going to declare you a false prophet if it doesn't. It just means, I don't know what it means. There have been all kinds of things. You're a precious man of God. Precious man. We see there's a humility about you. The hand of God is on you. Bob, we receive you. I know things, God holds things back. Some things we're supposed to restrain, put a restraining order on some of this junk. In fact, you know what we ought to do right now? We ought to just put a restraining order that the bird flu will not get into Wilkes County, North Carolina. Listen, our farmers, they don't need the hassle of the bird flu. Did you know, what have there been, 35 million chickens? 40 million now. Every time we look, there are more chickens and turkeys. The national media is not talking about it. But that's just one of the plagues right now. Just one of them. So let's just pray. How many of you are in agreement? Are we the church of the living God? 
Can we restrain? Are we to push back darkness? So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we're just the people of the living God. We have a covenant with you. And we thank you for the blood of Jesus. And we're the sons and daughters of the King. And you said whatever we bind on earth will be bound, has been bound in heaven. In the name of Jesus, we pray for the chickens in Wilkes County, North Carolina. And we put a restraining order over against the bird flu. Father, we pray that angels would stand guard around the borders of our county and the surrounding counties. And we say no to any bird flu in the name of Jesus. We resist you. We bind you. We restrain you from operating in the chickens and the turkeys of our county in the name of Jesus. We push you back and we say we're drawing a bloodline around this county. You shall not enter in Jesus' name. And we thank you, God, for preserving these chickens and these farmers in Jesus' name. You think we can do stuff like that? You got something, you, just a moment. I remember when I was a little kid, we went to a James Robinson crusade, and the storms were coming. And they were about to wash it out. James Robinson said, storms in the name of Jesus. Come no further. And I'm telling you, those clouds started receding, backing up. I don't know if I ever told that story. All around the football stadium. And we had revival that night. You know, back the way we used to have. Folks got saved. It was glorious. I know everybody's got to go in a moment. Chris, you got a word? Come on up. You better get a mic. I got one. And then we're going we're gonna to pray and, and be gone. Today was less of a sermon and more of a debriefing. I literally saw the picture, if you've seen in movies, where an army is in this little back room and there's somebody up there giving a debriefing. Hey, this is where we're about to get to because this is the mission. This was not just another sermon. And I think everybody knows that, but I just wanted to emphasize the one thing that the Lord reminded me of today to share. When we were back at the Jubilee Junction, I just about almost audibly heard the Lord. It was one of the clearest things I've ever heard. And he said, community trumps organization and it shook me to the core when he said it i was sitting on the second row in jubilee junction i'll never forget it and he brought it up to me again today in the days that we're heading into community is not just a good idea it's going to be critical it doesn't we're not talking organizational structure we're talking about community of believers and family and people that really live life together and know one another and help one another so I just, the Lord reminded me of that word, and I'd not thought about it in about a year. So I knew it was him saying community is of the utmost importance where we're going. Amen. So I just wanted to share That's that. Good. Thanks for reminding us, Chris. That's a good word, and it is. And I just saw one more thing. I thought about it, that, uh, that first dream. I heard the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit directed me. Those that are led by the Spirit in this hour. That's, that's going to be the key. What's that? And per, Oh, thank you. And if you've got purpose. Didn't they try to boil John the apostle to death? Put him in what, boiling oil? That had to have been frustrating. It didn't work. You know why it didn't work? He had to write the book of Revelation. 
He had to be sent to the Isle of Patmos. So what if you have great purpose in this hour? Let me tell you what. This is a supernatural hour. Supernatural. But if you're here without or you're watching, you're without Jesus, man, this is the day to know Jesus. Make sure you're saved. And if the Holy Spirit's convicting you, and you don't know if you died tonight, that you would spend eternity in heaven. Man, don't play any longer. Surrender to him. He died for you that you could live forever. And if you'll believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, if you confess him, then you will be, what, saved. I want to just pray for people right now and, and uh, those that are watching. Now, let's all pray out loud just to re- just a reconfirmation of our own faith. But if right now the Holy Spirit is dealing with you and there's a drawing, a convicting, and you say, I want to make sure, I don't know. You know, there could have been a chance I might have been religious, but I don't know. I want him to know me. I don't want to just know about him. I want on that day for the Lord to look at me and say, I knew you. I knew you. Enter in to the joy of the Lord. Then, man, you just mean business. Say, dear God. Just say, let's all pray out loud. Dear God, I confess that I'm a sinner. And I come to you, my Savior. I thank you for Jesus. That he lived and died and rose from the dead. And he's coming again. And I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. And come into my heart. I yield to you. I give my life to you. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Baptize me in the power of heaven. And use me for the rest of my life. I receive you, Jesus. And I choose to follow you. From this day forward, I will never turn back. Because you're with me. And you're guiding me. And I thank you for that promise. And all that call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Me and my household. In the name of Jesus. Let's just give him a hand. God bless you guys. The Lord is good. Oh, come on up. Yes, thank you.